Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Gifts of grace and the marks of a true Christian. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one another of one another. Having gifts that differ according to differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I'm going to move to verse 14 now. Let love be genuine, abhor with what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Then finally, let's skip down to verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Lord, Father, we thank you for having us here today, gathering as one body, Lord. We ask you, Lord, as we hear your word today and we hear uh, pastor speak, we ask you, Lord Father, to touch our hearts. Help us, Lord Father, be transformed each and every day, Lord, getting closer, more intimate with you. We love you, God, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. And you guys can be seated. Thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to share around God's word as usual. Uh, let's begin where we've been. Uh, we are talking about the church and talking about uh, this particular uh, teaching series that last week we included and kind of folded in International Sunday um, because there was a lot going on that the church is not just simply our church, but also it is the church universal. It is the the, the, the organization, the living organism even, that goes all to the ends of the earth and makes a difference in everybody's life, wherever they live and whoever they may be. And so we're going to talk today a little bit about the church, what it is, what it isn't, 
and why it still matters. And I'll definitely refer to that at the very end of today's message for sure. But let's talk a little bit about where we've been. Let's begin with this slide that I show you for the Mexico drive. And if you can believe it, man, the Mexico uh, drive is happening very soon. It's only about four or five weeks away before we have things out for our silent auction and all of that stuff. And I appreciate the ladies and uh, some of the gentlemen who have been helping already to get things ready, to get things together in advance because it will be here before you know it. And don't forget, you can text a, a uh, Roseanne or Alicia, text them first. They'll call you back because they might not have your number. And so if you text them, let them know, hey, this is so-and-so. I'd like to be a help in some way. They talked about that at the very beginning. We talked about how the church is not just simply one person doing one thing. It's many people coming together and the multiplied efforts making a bigger difference and a bigger impact. And then the next week, uh, we talked a little bit about a couple of things that you might not have known. We talked about how Miss Donna Jones uh, has a couple of kids that you've probably never met because they are bedridden and bedbound, but they are uh, really, been, they've been adopted as her own children and what a special group of kids they are. And uh, you know the two in the front, that is uh, Zariah and Jada, but you don't know the others in the back, and they are wonderful kids who really, their lives have been changed dramatically because Miss Donna brought them into her home. The guy on the right, you might not recognize, but he's pretty famous. All right, let's keep going. So as you go to this next slide, you may remember that we talked on that same day about Eric and Kendall, and these two little ones know there was not an immaculate conception again. Again, these were foster kids that have come on and been, become a part of their lives. And I, I got to tell you, they're brave folks because trust me, uh, if you've ever gone to the point where you raise your kids, you kind of go, how do we get through that? You know, like you, like you reach a certain age and you're like looking around like, I don't know how the Lord brought us through, but thank God he did. And we're never doing that again. Like you get off a roller coaster and you're like, that was fun to do it once, but we're never doing it again. That's kind of how it is with our kids. But they're jumping back in with both their feet, young kids and young babies, and they've got more energy than I do. All right, let's keep going to our next slide. And if you might remember, we talked about Miss Tiffany going and being a part of the memorial service. That's her in the second row. Uh, supporting some folks that were a part of our church that moved away during COVID, moved all the way to Boston, but they, uh, they were having a memorial service. I was able to be there. And then Tiffany went to be a support because she was their neighbor and uh, had a close relationship with them. And as I kind of just spoke about it that day, man, that's the way that the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be there for one another in the midst of the most difficult times that you go through. So I was really proud to, to try to spotlight Tiffany being there and being a part of things. So let's go to our next slide. And then last week was International Sunday. And the church that is universal, it's not uh, defined by borders, it's not defined by race or social status or gender or anything else that is put in our way that divides us. It is the thing that instead unites us. And so we as a church not only want to be a reflection of our community, but we also want to be a reflection to our community of the fact that there is nothing more important to us as a church body than the grace that brings us together. And that is our first and foremost priority. And I even said last week, I talked about how I love my kids. I love my family. I love my wife. I love being a pastor. I love all of these wonderful things. But ultimately, I am a Christian first before I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian before I'm a father. I'm a Christian before I'm a, I'm a husband. 
on and on and on, son, whatever it might be. And the Bible tells us very clearly that Jesus said, don't be afraid to walk away from those things because you've chosen what is most important. Those who would come after me must leave behind those brothers and fathers and mothers and even their own life so that they can be that living sacrifice that we are talking a little bit about today. And so this is where we kind of pick up today. And let's begin with our something to learn. So let me ask you guys a question. Am I, am I a little loud and a little, maybe just a tiny bit? Okay. Oh my goodness. Shelly is sitting at the soundboard. Oh, do I even say it? Okay. She's like, no, no. I, she would love to turn me down, I know, uh, and just like turn me all the way down, but I'm going to turn myself down just a little bit. Maybe that's just a tiny bit better. Okay. All right. Very good. Here's our something to learn. When Paul wrote the epistle, also known as the letter, to the church at Rome, he had not yet visited there. So he was writing to people that he'd never met, but he knew that were, you know, there as the church. And so Paul had hoped to someday visit and meet the Romans. And that wish was eventually fulfilled when Paul came to Rome and stayed for at least two years while under house arrest. This is in Acts chapter 28. No doubt he had visioned their meeting under very different circumstances, right? He probably never thought, man, what I'd really like to do is get house arrested and then put there and then I'll get to see them on somebody else's dime. That was not what he wanted, right? But he did go and he was involved in the Romans. But in the letter that he wrote to them before they even met, he was talking to them about what was important. And this is important for this reason. Paul wasn't looking at them and going, so some of you are, uh, you have the gift of doing mercy, you know, doing, doing merciful acts, so I'm going to write that down. No, he'd never met these people. He was saying that in the church, God has given gifts, and I already know what they are, even though I've never laid eyes on you. And so you may be saying to yourself, well, why does that matter? Here's why it matters. Because in this passage of scripture that Peter just read, that is talking about you. You have one of those gifts to bring to the table in God's kingdom work. How do I know? Because Paul had never met the people, but he already knew who they were because the body of Christ has a certain level and a, a certain number and a certain type of gifting in the church. And in that, he writes that down because he knows that they need to know their part is important. And maybe you did or maybe you did not hear it, but we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that he said very clearly, it is given to you so that you can be a blessing to others. We'll talk more about that as we keep uh, going. So let's go to our next slide. And here is Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, and then jumping down to verse 16. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love, what's that word that's underlined? Those two words, what is it? One, two, three. With brotherly affection and outdo, what's those next two words? One another. In showing honor. And live in harmony with, what's those next two words? One another. You see in the point that I'm getting to and see what I'm speaking about here? Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. This is what Paul is writing to the Romans, but he's also in God's inspired word writing to us that we don't have the option to be people who don't have life together. If we are a part of the body of Christ, we are a part of the body of Christ. And just like you don't want part of your body going dead and not working any longer, and that's going to be a disability for you, it's the same way in a church body, in Christ's body. If you are not taking that gift that Paul says, I know exists, not because we've met, because I know God, 
period. He's gifted some of you, and you need to use it in these ways. And if you are not doing that, then that is the way that God's body begins to atrophy and get weaker rather than get stronger and grow in its influence. If you guys are with me, give me an amen real quick. Amen? Okay, so let's go to our next slide here as we go on. According to Watermark Church, watermark.org, there are over 50 one another passages in the scriptures. That means that you and I are called to live together and 50 different times the Bible says, do this for one another, like live in harmony with one another, love one another, be humble before one another, bear one another's burdens, etc. And there's 50 different ones in the scriptures. So it's not like one or two might give you the impression that you might ought to live in harmony and you know do these things. No, it's very clear. God wants us to live life together, and that's what the church is supposed to do and to be. So let's go to our next slide as well. Don't miss this. There are at least 51 another's, and they teach us that we're supposed to be in connection, and we can't pretend that living a Christian life, when we're living a life that is only self-focused, is the one that he wants for us. Now, just let me slow down real quick. Let me just tell you that a lot of people say, no, 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 I'm a very private person. I, I'm very spiritual, but I, I don't really like to do these things, and I don't really want to do these things with other people. It's like, okay, what you've done is you've taken what God has said and you've twisted it to, fa uh, to fit and to match your preferences, not to do it God's way, but to shift God's way into your own. You guys understand what I'm saying? Because ultimately, we can't say, I'm a very private person, so I'm just going to live on my own, and if I feel great about it, then I'm great. No, no, that's not what the Bible says about true Christianity. And Peter even read the, the, the heading there that said, this is God's gifts, but also it is what a true Christian life should look like. You can go back and look at your own scriptures for that. So let's keep moving here. And as we go to our next slide, something else to learn. Now, I'm going to give you guys one of these, one of these words that, okay, so the truth be told, I'm pretty frustrated because you, if you're like me, you know that you paid a whole lot of money for a piece of paper if you went to college. And you're like, I paid a lot of money. All I got was a robe and one piece of paper that nobody ever sees. It's probably in a drawer somewhere. Well, I learned these big fancy words that I never get to use because nobody really <laughs> cares about them. But this is actually important. So hang with me for a second. The word incarnation often refers to Christ coming to live among us as a human being. Have you guys heard about the incarnation around Christmas before? Have you all ever heard of that? Oh, the incarnation. We're celebrating the incarnation. And you're like, what does that mean? It sounds spiritual. I don't want to ask because I don't want to look dumb. Right? So here is a very important thing. The incarnation is not just when Christ came to live, but it's also a principle. The two root words are in, which means in. You guys with me so far? Really complicated. See, this is why you get frustrated about how much you spent on your college education. And look, I'm from Texas. I already know what carne is, right? I mean, <laughs> I already know what carne is. I like my carne asada with, uh, you know, guacamole and uh, lime. That's just me. But it says the carne part is flesh or meat. So in other words... It's in the flesh. Have you ever had somebody say, I'm here, 
And somebody and the other say, wow, it's you. And they say, yeah, in the flesh. Have y'all ever heard something like that? You know, kind of the back and forth. It's kind of old. Uh, if you're my age, you probably heard it, you know. I'm here in the flesh. Look at this, you know. But the truth of the matter is, is that that's what Jesus did. He's like, you wonder what God looks like? I'm here and not in spirit, but I'm here in the flesh. And so as we talk about incarnation, he was sent as God's spirit in a human body. It's called the incarnation. It's in flesh. And why is this important? Because there are just a lot of things that you can't really explain, but you know it when you see it, right? So if I ask you to define love, you'd be like, ah, well, so it's, uh," and you'd kind of fumble around. But if you saw somebody showing love, you'd go, hey, that is what it looks like. You guys understand what I'm saying? It's been done in the flesh. It's love in the flesh. It's God's appreciation for human beings in the flesh. It's the incarnation as Jesus comes, but it is also what we are called to do. Because when we are called Christians, that's a way of saying a little Christ, a little example of Christ. It's like the, the, like, um, the kid that looks just like their dad, but only a smaller version. Have y'all ever seen that before? So that's what we're supposed to be. And in the process of doing that, we become that example where you say, well, God so loved the world, then you're like, well, what does that look like? You can point to the cross and go, that's what love looks like, right? And it should be something that we are doing on a smaller scale. We're not dying, but we are those living sacrifices that show the example of what Christ is supposed to look like. And so if they're like, well, what's it mean to be a Christian? You can go, have you ever met fill in the blank? That is a person who's really serious about their faith. That's what a Christian is supposed to look like. That's a person that's incarnating and putting it in the flesh, putting it in something that can be understood, and you look at it in that way. Are you guys with me? You understand what I'm saying? So here's what I mean. As you go on a little further, let's go to our next slide. Here's the big idea. The church incarnates the truth that Christ taught while he was here on earth. We should be the example that calls back and hearkens to what Christ did when he was here. Let's keep moving as we go on. Jesus in this passage is the ultimate example of becoming a living sacrifice in verse one. How we transform by the renewing of our mind in verse two. And then he shows us how to treat others just as Christ did when he was among us in the flesh, incarnated here with us. Let's keep moving. As we go on, we go back to Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, you ought not think of themselves more highly than he ought to think. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Then in verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of what? One another. One of another. In other words, as we actually become what we're supposed to be, that means I depend on you and you depend on me. And your gift that I don't have makes up for my weakness and vice versa. You see what I'm saying? And so this is how we show that we are not just simply just like everyone else, living for themselves and living the way that they choose. Instead, we are examples of Christ. 
So again, I want to slow down for just a quick second and remind you, this is why we celebrate International Sunday. This is why it's so important that we show our community that it is not about these things first and then God later. It is God above all things, which makes all other things possible for us to be unified. And I don't know if you guys know it or not, but you're sitting here with some people who are Republicans in this house today. And you're sitting here with people who are Democrats in this house today. And none of that matters because we come under a different banner that is far more important than those things which the world desires to divide us. The most important thing is not what our voter ID card says. It is what our Lord has said about us instead. Can I get an amen? I mean, that, it, look, Republicans and Republicans don't always agree, much less Democrats and Democrats. They're the same. No matter who you are or what party you want to identify with, those things are not to be number one. They are to come far down the list. The first and most important is the grace that forgives you and forgives me and makes eternal life our promise and new life our way of life. And that's why it's so important. So we are members of one another. That means that if I have a beef with you or you have a beef with me, I don't know why I'm on, on the incarnate thing, but maybe that's it. You have a beef, I've got a beef, whatever. Those things have to be set aside because the most important thing is the first priority, and that is our Savior that brings us together. Let's keep moving. And as we go to spiritual gifts, here's a quick list. And 1 Corinthians 12 has a list of that similar spiritual gifts, not all of them, but kind of in that same way. But let's keep moving on to our next slide as well. To each member of the body of Christ is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And what's that? For the common good. Not so you can be proud. Not so I can be grateful and puffed up and, oh, I'm glad I got this spiritual gift because it's awesome. And it's not as, you know, bad as somebody else's spirit. It's not that at all. It's not a competition. And if we've got that mentality, we are somehow in the wrong place. But instead, it's for the common good. And so when I say to you guys, please come so you can be blessed. And then also come that you can, what? Be a blessing. That means that I'm here to receive and I'm here to give. And for many people, they believe that whenever you walk into a church, you're here to be blessed. I'm here for a blessing, Pastor. Preach it good today. I'm here for a blessing, you know, and I'm, I'm trying, y'all. I'm trying, okay? But here's the truth. You are also here to be a blessing. And if you are not doing one or the other, then you are probably missing out on the fullest experience possible. And by the way, when you come and you say, you know what? Pastor was preaching today and it just wasn't really hitting me just square. Then that probably is God's tap on your shoulder that you didn't come to just get a blessing. It is a reminder that if you didn't get one in the way that you love to get one, then you go be one in the way that you'd love to receive it when you come. Can I get an amen on that, right? Because the problem is, is for most of us, we just come to be blessed. And that's not what the body is supposed to be about. We receive gifts, not so we can be blessed, but so that we can be a blessing. For just as the body is one and have many different members, all the members of, of the body, though many, they're one body, and so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into 
one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And then in another passage, it's a similar one. He says male or female. That means it transcends race. It transcends social status. It transcends gender. It transcends all of these things to be a part of the body of Christ. And we are all made to drink of that one spirit. It is the thing that defines you if you are living in the way that Christ would have you to live. Let's keep moving here. And uh, we're moving quickly. It says the five pillars of a great church. And you can see all the different ones. And your spiritual gift, probably one of these resonates with you more than the others. So that probably is the first inclination of exactly where your spiritual gift lies. If you're somebody who says, you know what would be great? Our church would be even better if they had, or if we did, or if we were better at, and then you fill in the blank. So if you're like, man, I'd love to see this go on in the worship, then that is probably, magnify is probably your area. Or, you know what? I love to see us get together and have lunch together and do things that connect us outside of just the church service. That's probably membership tapping you on the shoulder. I wish that people in our church had just a little bit more Bible knowledge. So that's probably maturity tapping you on the shoulder. What about the ministry? I would love to see our church be a blessing to fill in the blank, right? You see where I'm going with this? Every one of you has a spiritual gift, and this is probably the roadmap that begins. One of the things that I love about our church, and I wish we did even more of, is because we want to be a blessing in this mission area, whatever it may be. It goes on and on. And here is the truth. There's five pillars to a great church. There is not a great church anywhere that has four. These are the five. And if there's only two pillars that are going on in the church, then that means a couple of things. A, it's not the church that it should be. And B, the people in the church have not taken up their responsibility and said, this is my gift and this is my spot. And I'm gonna be responsible to be a blessing in this area. This is how it goes. And this is how we become the best we can be people-wise as well as church-wise. Let's keep moving here as we go on. So what do each of the M's mean? I've already spoken about this, but this is how they all fit together and how the church is designed. And those are all important. Let's keep moving. All right. Uh, You know what? I just don't have the time to go through this. And so I'm going to skip ahead, um, Miss Alicia, if you don't mind. Um, I am going to skip down to something that I mentioned last week, and I want to just take a little bit of time. Maybe you caught it, maybe you did not, but let's go down to slide number 26, if you don't mind. I talked about talking to strangers last week. It's a book by Malcolm Gladwell, and this is so important and so interesting and so revealing, because the truth is, is that When I'm talking about living with one another and serving one another and being a blessing to one another and being connected in some way, the truth is, is that some of that sounds good when it's all flowing good, but have you ever noticed that the problem with people is that they're people? Can I get an amen, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're not quite as easy to live with in person as they are in the principle of people, right? I love people, just not individual people, right? Can I get an You know what I'm saying? So it's not supposed to be like that. So interestingly, we have to be good enough 
to have an open mind to welcome other people who are not like us and be willing to be a little uncomfortable at times for the good of what God's word is saying as well as what God's body is supposed to be and be about. So in this book, Talking to Strangers, Malcolm Gladwell talked about a test that was given to people. And basically, it was just this. It was like, we're going to give you some letters and then some blanks, and you fill in what letters ought to be in there to make the word that you think ought to go here. And so you've got the G-L blank blank, and then you've got the blank blank T-E-R, and then you've got the S blank blank R-E, et cetera, all the way down the line. So he said what he had written in, and it was kind of like a rapid-fire test. So it's meant to be quickly done and moving on. So in this, here's what he said. He said, the first one I put in personally, I put in GLOW, G-L-O-W. He put in GLUM, G-L-U-M. Now, I also put in WATER, W-A-T-E-R. He put in HATER, H-A-T-E-R, right? And then I put in share, S-H-A-R-E, and he put in scare, S-C-A-R-E. So it's just funny because he, he put in, um, let's see, I think I put in touch and he put in tough, so I got that one a little mixed up. But this is funny because he said, I looked at my list and I tried to figure out what it was saying about me and it was like, oh no, this is terrible. I mean, I'm glum, I'm talking about haters, I'm scared all the time, you know, all of these things. He said, but then I got to thinking about it and I was like, no, it's just quick. It's just off the top of my head and moving on. And so he said, it's just normal. And so they asked everybody who did this test, here's what they said. Let's go to our next slide. They asked this question, what do you think your answers reveal about you? And so just like Malcolm Gladwell, they said, well, it's nothing. It's just, it's just answers. No big deal. But then they were asked, what do you think your answers reveal about this individual? And here are their results. And guess what? The people who said it's no big deal and it doesn't matter, they started becoming armchair psychologists. <laughs> they were like, oh, I know exactly what it means. They're terrible people. They're, they're way too selfish. They're way focused on themselves. They're uh, uh, hyper competitive and on and on and on. So they had all the answers. And so this is what Malcolm Gladwell had to say about this. He says, we think we can easily see into the hearts of others based on the flimsiest of clues. We jump at the chance to judge strangers. And we would never do that to ourselves, of course, because we, we are nuanced, we're complex, we're enigmatic. And when something doesn't match up with what we wish to be, we have reasons for it. And they're usually pretty easily explained. But when that happens in somebody else, it's a sign that we know who they are and they're not good people. You see what I'm saying? And so in the midst of it, he says this, if I can convince you of one thing in this book, let it be this, strangers are not easy. Strangers are not easy. So why in the world do you keep going and trying to connect with people where it's easier to be within yourself? Here's why. It's just this. Because God said, love one another. God said, live in harmony with one another. He said, do your best to outdo others 
in being kind to them. Be kind to one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. It is a command over 50 times that your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Go out there and live as an incarnation, as a thing that people see and go, oh, that's what it looks like to be a Christ follower. That's what looking like a believer looks like. So here's what I want to share with you real quickly. Let's go back to this next slide here. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's back to the, to the big idea kind of on the end here. Is that right? The church incarnates the truth of Christ's teachings here on earth. Can I just share it with you? I shared some of this with you last week, but I want to go a little further about this idea right here. So let's go to our next slide. This is what Christ's teachings look like when you've had Hurricane Harvey hit your area and you made it okay, but other people didn't have food or water or any of those things. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in the middle of an emergency situation. That's incarnating the teachings of Christ. And they're like, oh, that's a church. That's the church around the corner that's come to help in our time of need. That's what it means to be a Christian. You see what I'm saying? So if you don't understand every teaching of Christ, you can look at Christ and say, that's what it looks like in the flesh. This is what we ought to be doing for our people in our community. They should be able to look at us and point at us and go, oh, they're different because they are a real authentic bunch of Christ followers. They're not perfect. They're not always right, but they are always trying to share the love of Christ everywhere they go with whoever they meet, period. That's it. Let's go to our next slide. This is what it looks like when somebody's house has been destroyed and you go in and you help them. There's Peter in the Peter, that's you in the, in the front there in the doorway. That's my daughter Tatum with her hand over her face, probably because she just got a text from me, just guessing. There's Haley Hilton there on the bottom right. I mean, our kids out there, we've got different ones out there being a blessing. Oh, that's what it looks like when the church is the church. That's different. They're not there for them. They're there for you, not because of what you can do for them, but what they want to express and show to you by being church in the community. Let's go to our next slide. This is what it looks like when everybody comes together and everybody loves as they should. Not anything that divides us, but everything about being a blessing in the name of Christ. Those are the folks that happen to be there that particular day being a blessing. And there's more uh, as well that did not get to be there that day in that particular picture. But I know some of you guys see your faces. I see a face that looks like mine, except for he has a lot darker hair uh, back then. All right, let's go to our next slide. He was also thinner, but that's a whole nother issue. So what is the church? What isn't the church? And why does it still matter? Here it is. Just going to hit this real quickly. And we're going to talk about how we apply this message. What is the church? It's the incarnation of what Christ did while he lived here in this way. And then he, what isn't it? It's not something that's for me. It's something that is for him and for others. That's what it is. And why does it still matter? Can I tell you why it still matters? Because the church is still the hope of the world, man. 
It is still the hope of the world. This is the thing that helps me to walk away from all that I have done. This is the thing that prevents me from going down the wrong path when I'm tempted to go there. It's his sacrifice. It's his blessings. It's our accountability to one another. It's our encouragement. It's you building in me and me building in you. It is all of us doing life together that say, this is the thing that keeps me on the path that God has for me, the one that I can be proud of, not because I was perfect and not because I'm perfect even now, but because ultimately I have been forgiven. And so because of that, my life has a different destination. That's why it still matters. So how do you apply? So what are you drawn to? Any of those M's that we talked about, ministry and membership and on and on down the line. What is the M that you are drawn to? And then where do you give, uh, get positive feedback? And I'm asking these questions so you can say, this is my gift and this is how I can be a blessing to use for the good of the church. And then, like I said, we come to be blessed and come to be a blessing. So let's check out this video. I've shown it to you once before, but I think it will be a blessing to you one more time. Let's enjoy this video as we talk about the church being the church. Welcome to church. Welcome to the undying body of the ever-living Son where God's promises and God's people are radically made. Welcome to the romance of the world, the marriage ceremony of Christ, where God is betrothed to man by proposing with his life. Welcome to the only place where the unholy can meet holiness and yet holy still survives. Welcome to the only place that you can walk in dead and yet come out alive. Welcome to this place, this place, whether on pews or chairs, in walls or air, under steeples or stairs, by thousands or in pairs, this place, this place is legendary, holy, ancient, modern, famous, hated, living, vibrant, ageless, not because of a location. Not because there are cars parked on the pavement. Not because you made a sign and named it. This place is an amazement because of the one who creates it. Welcome to the place where individuals are shaped into a larger whole, where bread and wine feed our hearts and intoxicate our souls, where race, money, and power no longer have a role, where the outcast, impoverished, and broken come to be consoled. Welcome to our home, the bride of Christ on a reckless search. Welcome to life. Welcome to church. Amen, amen, that is what it's all about and that is what you are called to be and what we are called to be here together. So thank you so much for your time and for your attention. Heavenly Father, bless us each one as we find what you are doing among us, as we become the hands and feet of Christ to go to those who need that reminder that you love them and you died for them and that we would become people who incarnate, who Show it clearly in the flesh, that thing that you have desired for us to be and have called us to be, equipped us to be, and enabled us to be. Lord, make us 
your representatives here in our community, here in our time, and above all things, God, all for the glory of the one who has changed our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we thank you for giving us your name, the name of Christian, a small representative of your greatness. And may we be that very thing this week to one another, especially those that we know and see that are hurting. Lord, the church still matters because we still are living in a, in a world where you are needed above all things. So may you be the thing that we care about most and the thing that we honor above all other things. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here, being a part of today's service. I hope as you go your way, you have a terrific week. And I appreciate, as I had said before, your time and your attention. Come back and uh, we'll be doing it again next week. And uh, it'll be a blessing to you. And also, you'll have an opportunity to be a blessing as well. And today we end the way we always do. And I hope you guys will say it right along with me. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Y'all have a great week. Appreciate you so much.